Behold, another episode of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, the gaming prophet, Cade Call, your host, he who hath been commissioned by the gaming gods themselves, even Miyamoto, the father, Kojima, the son, and Kamak, the Holy Ghost. To make the best gaming podcast, they told me, just interview creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up. So, well, that's today what we're going to do. Surprise, motherfucker! Today's guest is, drumroll please, Andy, aka Cafe BTW. He is a streamer, gaming content creator. He's got the TikToks, he's got the Instagrams, he's got the Twitters, all that jazz, and he streams every Saturday morning, just like Saturday morning cartoons. He is your local nostalgia dealer. Hey, 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 get over here. I got some nostalgia. What you want? 50 grams, an eighth, half ounce? I got it. I got all the best shit. He's going to get your fix. We've been uh, gushing about having man crushes on each other since the podcast because the conversation was enjoyable, and so I'm thinking it's going to be pretty enjoyable for you. Check him out. His link tree link will be in the podcast description where you can find all the goods. And also, I have a little intro from a new podcast friend. I've been using this app called Audrey. It's where like podcasters can meet each other and basically trade promo. And I ran across a gaming podcast I really liked, and they're going to drop my little podcast trailer in their intro, and I'm going to drop their little podcast trailer. In my intro, I scratch your back, you scratch my back, mano we mano, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Make the money, do good business. You know what I'm talking about? That's probably the worst accent of all time, but I never claim to have good accents. Anyway, the point being, check the trailer out. I've listened to their podcast, listened to two episodes, skimmed a few. They got good stuff, so check out their trailer below. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brayden, the host of Game Johns, a gaming podcast where my crew and I talk about anything and everything related to games, including Facebook is taking over your mind with VR, how to make a good soundtrack whilst tripping balls, which one of us is going pro, what games to play while you're lost in space, who's the most cripplingly addicted to gaming, which games have our emotional states in shambles, why are people who play games on their phones always such losers, does everyone who plays COD drink Mountain Dew, Dungeons, Dragons, and DMT, which board games cause divorce and so much more in fact we just released our 100th episode check us out on spotify amazon music apple and google podcasts and anywhere else podcasts can be found this is game johns where games are our john there you have it folks make sure to check them out other than that check out the youtube channel i'm uploading cool emulator shit all the time i go to the deepest of the depths to make sure i have the highest image quality the bestest mods and the coolest shit that you can do with emulators to retro games today so if you want to see how deep the dark magic rabbit hole goes check out my youtube other than that i say these things in the name of miyamoto the father kojima the son and kamak the holy ghost amen and enjoy the show So if you're doing nothing for two weeks, what are you going to play? Secretly, no one knows this, but I play Madden. <laughs> uh, com- competitive head-on, head-to-head oh. for, for years. Oh. Oh. For, for years, and I don't tell anyone about it publicly because I hate the game really, like, 
I aggressively hate this game and franchise and I don't appreciate what they're putting me through. But the problem is I'm a huge football fan and I love to like be my team, you know, and that goes back to like retro gaming, right? Like playing Matt, the old Maddens and, and all those old football games on NES, like the competitive nature of playing like games with your friends next to each other. And Madden still gives you that itch, but unfortunately they're locked into that, license contract and there's no creativity from ea it's the worst game i've ever played yet i'm stuck playing it i have never Ooh. played really a lot of sports games but um the, the nba 2k heads seem a little bit more happy than the madden heads from what i can gather that's a good example of like taking every year it's a game that releases every year you know there's not a lot of video games that do that and sport games do you know, because they got to take advantage of the new seasons. So NBA two, you know, the two K people, they take their time to figure out how do we like make this game a little bit better, but still keeping the same, you know, obviously the same gameplay Madden's just like really lazy development. And you know, what's really horrible about this game is it's got the stupidest like menu screens that have those like swipes and like graphics that I don't need to waste five seconds looking uh, at it. Yes. Like, get to the menu, man. Like, yes. What is this BS? So, anyway, <laughs> I didn't know I'd be talking about Madden on this, but Madden's <laughs> like a staple during the football season that I always have in my back uh, playing. So I started replaying Fallout New Vegas. I started playing League of Legends again just for fun and just to see if I still would want to play it. So I have been randomly playing League of Legends. And then, dude, I play a lot of Tycoon games on the side. Uh, one of the games I play all the time is, is it Video Game Tycoon or Game Development Tycoon? Oh, my God. I forgot I didn't the know. They, I didn't, they have a Game Development Tycoon? like a You know, like Tycoon Management Games? Yeah. Huge sucker for them my whole life. You know, we go back oh. to the original Sin Cities. Oh, there is a Game Dev Tycoon. I game had Dev no tycoon. idea. So good, so simple in nature, yet so like kind of like is a time killer. It's also available on your phone now. Back in the day, it was just a Steam uh, game. It is overwhelmingly positive on Steam. I have never Absolutely. heard about this. Game Dev Tycoon is my like old standby. Like when I'm really bored and I just don't know what to play and I really need something, uh, pull that up and just try to make your own video games. And uh, and you start a company and then you develop games and there's certain kind of uh, features that you have to get through. And then when the game's released, you see how popular it was and you make a lot of money off a game or you make no money off a game or it gets bad press. Really awesome game, especially if you're a gamer and you just like had the dream to make your own video game. Gives yeah. you that itch. So mm. I highly recommend it, as do the, the wonderful Steam people out there. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of that, man, I'm what you call a very diverse gamer in my older age where I played Destiny for like four years straight and got sucked into that. And then I like when I stopped playing Destiny, I was like, man, I am not playing enough different types of video games. Like as a kid, think about NES, right? Yeah. You got all the games are so different from each other and you had a lot of them. Today, it's like people's minds are more narrow in games. So I try to like just have fun and I don't... S- get stuck into games that keep me busy, like a destiny or a world of Warcraft. Like I just can't give that time anymore, you know? So that, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, Just, just hanging out, playing those kind of games. And so for this two weeks though, you still didn't answer my question. What are you going to (laughs) play for this two weeks? What are you going to binge on? I'm going to binge the Halo campaign. The Halo oh, campaign. yes. That's a good one. I, I haven't played it. Have you played it? I played uh, the opening, like, 
It's about two hours to get to the open world part. Like the intro is about two hours. I played the intro and did like one mission in the open world. And that's as far as I've gotten. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will be. That's probably what I'll be binging. If you had to ask me, like, what will I binge and put some time into? And that's Halo. Yeah. You could probably binge it over the course of two weeks for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I got to do a couple of things here and there, you know, yeah. but uh, for the most part, I'm excited for that because I feel like this Halo, Halo 5 was like, I don't know. Um, it's just nice to have a campaign again and, and give love to the PVEers out there, the story story people that love the, the story of Halo and don't want to just play like multiplayer. Like, give us that that itch, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be doing that. Forza Horizon 5, I have it on Game Pass and I've been meaning to play it. Beautiful game. I just turned it on to look at it. Really pretty game. But I'm not a car guy, you know? I'm just not a not a big car guy. I think that's about it, though. I think it's more Halo mix of you know, Madden. <laughs> and you know what's funny about Madden is I hear, I'm not on mic, but I'll, they'll be on mic sometimes. And I hear them through my TV screaming. <laughs> I scored a touchdown. Like, I'm like, come on, guys, like, get over it. Or they quit. So I'm a Jets fan, unfortunately. But so one guy really funny recently, I was playing him as the Jets and I was beating him. And I guess he was good. And all I kept hearing him says, I ain't never lost to the Jets. I ain't never lost to the Jets. <laughs> and he's just screaming that repeatedly. Like, I was like, well, you're going to lose now. Today you will, bitch. <laughs> Today <Yeah>. you are. <laughs> but yeah, man, what about you? What are you playing? What, what's oh, on, man. on your docket these For days? this two weeks, I pretty much am only game gaming with the purpose in the sense of getting executing stuff I want to do for YouTube. Some deeper content right. that I want to do for YouTube. So yeah, I've been doing that for about six months where I do game for fun. But uh, most of the time I'm getting footage for video ideas or mm-hmm. messing with emulators. I, I, I want to do a lot of content around like uh, retro in 4K. So like getting really old games to look as good as possible with emulation and what, what stuff can you do. Been messing around a lot. So I have some ideas for that. Like I have a Mega Man Legends formula that I figured out. You can, with one of the emulators, you can run it at like full 8K internal resolution. Do like... There's an algorithm you can use to upscale the textures that works really yeah. well in the art style of that game. And then the emulator has some post-processing filters. And I found one that it tries to do cell shading on the fly by reading the geometry. For Mega Man Legends, it actually works really, really well. Oh, cool. So like this combination, I'm probably going to do a video for not that's going to like a mock video where I'm going to tell people Mega Man Legends 3 has been like remastered or a leaked remaster or something. Cause it looks like a remaster. Like you can get it looking like a modern remaster with emulation today. And that, for those who don't know, that game is like very cult classic and the, the sequel got canceled, even though it was far into development. And mm. so a lot of Mega Man Legends fans, they're just bummy. They're just like sad, mopey people, myself included about the franchise. So I'm going to do a video like, like a fake remaster video, see if I can piss some people off, see if they think it's real. Oh, that's cool. Out. Yeah. That should come out before this pod. Like I was saying, my turnaround time on podcasts is really slow. So that should come out before this goes live. Got it. That idea I have for the two weeks. And then I also might play the Halo Infinite campaign because I have heard the story is really good. And sometimes I debate like, all right, I want, I like the Halo story as well. Do I want to invest the time to play it or do I just want to watch all the cutscenes on YouTube? Sure. How do I want to spend my time? And I'm torn because I've been playing a little bit of the multiplayer and the game is fun. The game is fun, but I have the multiplayer just, is still fun too. Yeah. It is, it is fun. fun. Yeah. I've been playing it with some homies. Um, 
But when I sit down to play a game, it's like I have so many retro games and retro content I want to make. It's like most of the time I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to work on work on the podcast, work on their brand. Because look, I'm still playing video games. I'm having fucking sure. fun. I'm just sure. double dipping. I'm like, I'm getting content and work out of it as well. So that's usually what I end up doing. Nice. When I started streaming, I started playing video games on stream and I was like, no one gives a crap about me playing video games. So that's when I started streaming and doing podcasts. Like what I'm getting at is that I appreciate your content because sometimes it's not always about playing the games. It's about talking about the games. Right. And I love people that like to talk about whether it's history or stuff. And that's kind of like when I discovered you on TikTok, you had these like really, the way you speak is very uh, intellectual and I like your style and you know what on what's your saying, Carmack something. Yeah. I know you got to tell me that again. Say me it. and Moto, the father, coach me, the son and Carmack, the Holy ghost. When you said Carmack, I was like, this guy knows games. If you're able to drop, you know, yeah. Well, most people yeah. that know, know who Carmack I, is. I put him in the Holy Godhead. I put him you in did. the Trinity. Yeah. And he deserves to be there and doesn't yeah. get enough credit. So that's cool. So that's what I'm saying is like, I like talking. I think people that are talking about games sometimes is really cool. So yeah, I appreciate your content. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. And to give people an introduction to you, you stream, you podcast, give people a rundown of what yeah. you do, where they can find you and what your shtick is. Like I like to say, you know, my favorite place to be is actually Twitter. And it's at Love Retro BTW on Twitter, but my link tree is there. So you can click in and check out my TikTok, which is specifically called Cafe BTW. And uh, you can find me there on TikTok at Cafe BTW. That's where I do a lot of these really interesting voiceover. I like to say I'm a faceless creator on TikTok. Um, you see me sometimes, like very rare. But the reason I went that direction, I, I, I did this video, my video that made me go viral. And by the way, I started on TikTok like late 2019, early 2020, like right before the pandemic. No one really cared mm. about TikTok. It was, it was a good time. It was a good time. And I was like, yeah. no one's talking about retro video games. So I did this video where I just showed myself turning on my Sega Saturn and saying, this is my Sega Saturn and these are my Sega Saturn games. And it was just my voice showing that and then like it kind of blew up and i realized hell this is cool i i like podcasting so maybe i'll just do voiceover content on things i love then i started doing clips as you've seen so you might see like retrospective clips commercials but sometimes i talk about them recently i posted about the jackie chan what's the bronx movie rumble in the bronx yes rumble in the bronx there was a scene where he gives this kid a game gear and the funny thing about this scene is that the game gear doesn't have any like games in it and the kids playing this game gear with no games in it uh, and it's just one of those like they didn't know yeah. you know and like i caught i not that it's like kind of like if you've seen that movie you might remember that scene but i do stuff like that like calling out like funny moments in television and film how they use video games all the way down to just showing stuff like today i showed my unopened copy of the last Nintendo no nintendo power that was released in 2012 the last one and i actually mm-hmm. it's funny today I just like saw it in a pile and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I still have this. And the only reason I bought it was like, I found out in an article in 2020, it was like, this is the last ever published issue of Nintendo Power. I had to get it because God, that magazine was my like childhood. So pretty much all that, but check out my Twitter and my podcast is called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast on Twitch every Saturday morning. It's a retrospective podcast with, with basically a canvas where I pull up videos, I reference things so you can talk 
I bring in, uh, you could talk and see what I'm talking about. You could also, I also bring in guests. I had uh, anywhere from the sound designer of Turok to Daniel Pacina, the original Johnny Cage came on. I've had TikTokers like yourself that are really cool in the retro gaming world, like that the 1980s gamer. Mm. I've had Matt Newey, uh, a whole bunch of those retro people that you probably recognize. And just sometimes it's just me. That's me in a nutshell, really. Nice. That wasn't really a nutshell, though. That was a <laughs> long-winded monologue. That's all right. That's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I think there's that, so much uh, going on, man. Well, you gave me some hints. So normally, I'm trying to decide what I want to... There's a few things I wanted to ping off of that. Uh, first, sure. I agree with you when it comes to talking about games. The idea that I had in my mind for a long time is like, I don't want to do news. I don't, I don't want to do gameplay. I'm not good at games. I'm not a speedrunner. Yeah. But I am like full of useless knowledge about video sure. games. I just find, I, I don't know, I've been obsessed. So I started thinking like, maybe I'll just do infotainment. Perfect. And uh, like, how do I present cool shit about gaming that I know or I've researched and try to make it 15 seconds long? And really it was just, didn't start out like that. It actually started out with me in the pandemic. I had been doing the podcast for a while, but I normally train uh, martial arts, usually jujitsu or MMA stuff. And oh, nice. It all got shut down during the pandemic right. there was no training and this is like my what i did every night basically five nights a week and uh i was like well what am i gonna fucking do i'm like well I've, I've been doing the podcast is like really on the side just kind of like my friends and homies and we just talk about games and that was all it was right but i was like well maybe i could make videos and promote the podcast because there's like this tiktok thing and this was march i was behind you this was like march or april of 2020 really yeah nice and so i just started getting drunk and gaming every night because i didn't know what else to do and sure. i started and i originally started playing old games that i couldn't beat as a kid i was like i'm gonna mm. try to go back and fucking beat a bunch of these hard games and the first one i did was this ps1 shooter called einhander it's kind of it's kind of obscure like it's a cult classic but and i had a blast it was like really fun to go That's back cool. and i just recorded myself like raw footage with the little thing in the corner i started cutting up spots and putting them on TikTok. And they did okay, but it wasn't until I transitioned from just like me game. Like you said, no one cares about another dude gaming. Like who, right? Yeah. There's literally a fucking billion of you out there. And gaming. No one cares about me gaming. Yes. No me. one gives a fuck. <laughs> you don't even give a fuck. Like I don't even like, I was like, okay. So if I want to really promote the podcast, like I got a, well, what can I do? Like, what do I have right. to offer? <laughs> One thing is there's not very many people out there that fuck with emulators as much as I do. I'll spend like a full day trying to like do crazy shit to a game. I won't even play mm. it. Like Turok is one of them. Like, uh, cause Turok has PC. Oh, this is not emulators, but it's PC. Turok has PC releases. And then of course, if you have something on PC, you have mods. Sure. And now you can breathe life into an old game and have a lot of fun. So I would just spend a lot of time messing with that stuff. So I started doing like DIY remaster videos my how i would term it like hey if you want to replay ridge racer 4 on playstation you, here's how you can make it like remastered run it on this emulator use these settings blah 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 now you can play it in 4k now you can blah 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 hmm. i started doing videos like that and then i just got into like the ideas infotainment like i'm you, like like you said like something interesting like this commercial or this video game or well, you posted some old school commercial it was something that i was like i would have never remembered that had you not posted it that's what yeah. i want that's what i want to do you know i want to unlock that nostalgia for someone yeah. you know that's kind of like the you just said you just described what i like to do yeah i'm glad i did it 
there you go. Mission accomplished <laughs> every day. You know, it's like people are making their own content like that on TikTok, on YouTube. And it's just a different time now. And it's a competitive time. At times, it's like competitively, aggr- it's very competitive. People get aggressive with each other. That I don't like. I like more of the community side of the internet. And I think that's what like the gaming people, like most of the retro gamers, casual gamers, their content's friendly. And usually yeah. they're really nice people. I th- I don't think a lot of people who make retro content view it as like they're going to make it as a content creator. They're doing it because they fucking love, love retro content. Yeah. yeah. You see yeah. it on TikTok with a lot of the retro people like Yeah. Some of the game rooms I'm seeing now, I'm like blown away by the love and passion they they put into their rooms. Like I still have an apartment, I'm moving out soon, but once I get my house, all the way in the back are like I have like a CRT and I do see some shit back there. Yeah. There's just a bunch of shit wait. But it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Bins in a closet. I don't have it. I have tons of stuff, but I don't have them like a space. A, yeah. yeah. I need to get eventually get like a room dedicated. I just don't have the room dedicated. I live in LA. You know, yeah. you don't, you have an apartment in LA. You don't have that extra room to, to put all that. But I am looking at a place with my girlfriend. So that's going to change. And I cannot wait to do that. I'm so jealous of some of these people's rooms. It's really incredible to see what they do. And I can't wait to do mine that in, in my style. I don't know what that means, but have you checked out, uh, have you run across the guy? I think he's been semi inactive, but he was on TikTok way earlier than me is retro Revy. I know retro Revy. Yeah. He, he was on like three, four weeks ago. His podcast is in queue. Hasn't come out yet, but uh, his game room. One thing I really liked about his game room that stood out to me like you see these crazy game rooms. I mean, I've seen game rooms. That's like, Incredible you think they rooms. can't get crazier than you run across another one. You're like, Holy I'm fuck. Like, yeah. Trust me. Yeah. It gets <laughs> wild out there. People go hard in the paint and I love it. I love it too. When I first saw a video of him, it wasn't like its size or whatever. I liked his style and kind of how he decorated. He had like posters and figurines everywhere, but he has something like 70 some odd consoles across like a handful of CRTVs. And they all Amazing. work at any point. That's the thing. A lot of guys just have their stuff set up, but he can patch any console to any TV in the room at any moment you can play. And he has like every N64 color that ever was released and they're all hooked up. So any more, you're like, I can, I want to play the green N64 on Smash Brothers. And I want to play it on that particular CRTV. Hits the right. switchers, boom, puts it in. Good to go. Right. And like he's developed, he has this crazy system of like switchers and ports and upscalers. That's and cool. He's been down that whole rabbit hole. Definitely, if you're listening, check him out. But I really, that's what stood out to me. It's like, oh, his game room is not only badass, it's like fully functional everywhere. That's awesome. That, that I like. I don't play, and I know you're an emulator guy, but a lot of my consoles, I only have hookup. I just, and I have to do the thing where you, you hook one console in and you pull it yeah, out yeah, and you do yeah. the next one, which is fine by me. Because I love my little CRT over there. And, and you know, I, right now I have my NES hooked up. I like playing on the old-fashioned the old way. It feels like, just feels good. But yeah, eventually, I just can't wait to be able to do that. I have a ton of games, and I'll be able to at least have a nice wall, I think. But uh, I'm definitely impressed by many others on uh, TikTok, especially. And it's pretty cool to see that. Now, you've given me a couple of hints. I have a, a tradition where I try to guess the person's first console oh what year were you born i want to say 83 81 81 pretty damn close okay pretty close you made me a little younger thank you your your first console was an nes 
That is incorrect. Damn it. Atari 2600? Technically, yes. That would have been my second guess. But but I will give you credit. You do get credit because really NES is where I went on my stride, where it like all clicked. I was a little young for the Atari 2600. We had one, but I still remember playing karate on Atari 2600. And here's mm-hmm. the thing. The reason why a little kid could play the Atari 2600, because all it was was a button and a stick. Yep. Right. And a kid can do that. I mean, Jesus, kids are born with iPads now, literally coming <laughs> out of the womb. Um, so think about like a kid playing an Atari 2600, a really simple side scroller. And I just remember in, it was in my den in my old house in New Jersey when I was a kid in this corner den room. We call it a den. Just this like really rugged old TV. But there was the beautiful Atari 2600 with the wooden accents in a room that had wooden walls like the old style. So this den fit a 2600, but then we moved. And then, then 1985, I think the NES was released. I was very young and my brother got a Nintendo NES for his So you would have been four, which means you were playing the 2600 when you were like two or three. You were three, little. Yeah. Little. And you have a memory at three years old. You have a memory from three. Just that one moment. Just that playing one karate. Moment. Yeah, I, I really do. And I remember the room. That's how much like gaming meant to me. It's that you have those memories. Now, it wasn't until the NES, I would say, until when I got a little older, maybe 86, 87, started to hit a stride with really being a gamer because I was a little older. And then from then, man, I always think it's very important when you grew up in the 80s and 90s that you had parents that were either oblivious but still brought you games or you know they didn't have a problem with video games as long as you did your chores but there were some kids out there that were just unlucky one of my friends his parents were mean like i feel so bad for him that he didn't get to experience video games because his parents thought it was like terrible drug or something yeah the poor kid was deprived of it where he would come to my house and play and, you know, and they have to have you're that friend. He remembers like fucking video yeah. games and his house was the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saved those people, those kids, you know, you need a pat on the back. Thanks. Right. He's the sa- the video game savior. They're the savior. Yeah. Because some I'm sure everyone in those days had probably a friend that just couldn't play video games because their parents thought it was it was terrible. Uh, my parents were oblivious and it was the greatest thing in the world because they didn't really understand video games at all. I mean, not one iota. And when I would like, oh, we got to get the new uh, Sega CD for the Genesis. My mom's like, didn't we just get like the Genesis? Like, <laughs> like She's like, what is that? I was like, oh, you know, it's the CD version and you put it on top. And then she's like, oh, whatever. Your birthday is coming up. If you want it, then fine. So you got to give credit to your parents if they did support you that way. So thank yeah. God. So what I'm getting at is after the NES, I had literally every console. So known to man. You jumped into gaming and it sounds like geek culture from the get-go. It was get-go. like you were all in. I was all in, man. And yeah. it was great to have those memories, you know? What do you remember on the NES that really hit you? Like, in fact, so I know you did karate, but what's the first game that where you feel like, I'm a fucking gamer. I'm a, this is my shit. It's got to be. I mean, listen, I don't mean to be cliche, but it probably... Oh, I'll tell you a moment that really turned my head. Gyromite. With Rob. Really? You're the first person to... Yeah, I mean, I didn't play I'm aware of what it is. I didn't play it as a kid. Imagine this. For those who don't know what it is, explain what it is. So the original set for the NES that came out in North America had the robot Rob, and everyone has seen Rob probably, but they don't know what Rob did. And Rob 
would have these two, I guess they were platforms and each platform, he would be carrying a spinning disc and he would drop the disc on whatever door in the game gyromite. And you were this like gray haired character and you would go through these levels and you needed the door to open. But the only way to get it to open is you had to activate Rob to open the door with his spinning, you know, disc thing to his platform. And it was this like external controller that acted on its own within the game. And that blew my mind. And if you think about gyromite, that was pretty impressive. Another reason why there was Rob is because this was in the generation where NES wanted to get into the American market, but it was right after, you know, a few years after the crash from Atari and ET. So a lot of retailers did not trust Nintendo. So Nintendo called it the NES. They called it the Nintendo Entertainment System. And they packaged Rob as like kind of like a toy. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And that was kind of the hook for them to package this robot that you interacted. So they were trying to sell the NES as like this toy, but it was really a video game. So I think that was like where I was like, I remember just like looking at my brother. It was just, I had an older brother and we were like two years apart. So we lived through this generation together. Um, And yeah, man, I haven't talked about that story. And I think that's one thing I just remember vividly, but then super Mario brothers, I think legend of Zelda blew me away because I was like, what is this? This is insane. So the NES was so ahead of its time in so many ways and so clever that it that that it just sucked me in, but I would say Gyromite was the one that like, whoa, what is this? This is insane. And then probably Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Joust. Me and my I did a video about Joust because me and my brother would play Joust for hours on the Nintendo. All of that man, Battle Toads. We had this like real eighties looking basement, and and under the coffee table was Nintendo Power magazines galore. Mm, yeah, you know, just sitting there waiting to be read for the next issue to come out. I wish I would have kept. I had a subscription to EGM and a couple other and oh, Nintendo God. Power. I did just find an old box of of memorabilia where I I had like maybe two years worth of Game Informers. No, but they're not, not they're not as like cool and retro as like the EGMs that no. I had as a kid. So EGM that's kind of a best. bummer. I really wish that. Yeah, did you keep your Nintendo powers? Nah. Well, the story goes is that most of my video games were thrown out by my mom when I was in college. So there was that. <sighs> that was bad. Many, many people have probably lost games the same way. The reason I'm such a big Saturn collector, I don't know if you noticed that. I'm like, really. Oh, yeah. That's Saturn. one of my things we're going to talk about. The reason being is because the Saturn survived my my mom's because uh, I had my Saturn collection and my games like in like my room in a closet somewhere that wasn't with all the other old retro consoles and stuff. But my mom, I still recently at Thanksgiving was like, mom, are you sure you threw those? Games away? <laughs> are they not in the attic or something? She's like, no, I threw those out. I'm so sorry, son. Like, you know, like there's nothing I could do. I wish yeah, they'd probably back. worth a fuck ton Dude. too. We had a stack of NES games next to that TV we used to play in my basement. Like almost like you would measure our heights growing up. We put a line and date on how high the NES was getting. Uh, I had the stack of games. That's stacked, awesome. Yeah, and I look back. I'm like, man, we must have had all the heavy hitters, the games that are really hard to find now. Yeah, it's really sad. But look, I mean, that that got me into. So ten years ago is what sparked me to get back into collecting, and I say. I'm recollecting my childhood, right? Yeah. That's really what I'm doing. But it really is unfortunate she did that. But I'm not alone. It's happened to many people. Oh, that, I think a lot of people are collecting for the same reason as well. Absolutely. And yeah. look, if there weren't parents like my mom, then retro gaming wouldn't be as like collectible and scarce. 
And, yes. you know, because if there weren't parents throwing out games like they did in the late 90s, you know, things would be different. Maybe. That's a little bit better. I didn't, I had a very robust PS1. For me, the PS1 is like my prime time. I get, a, I get that sense. You love PS1. That's cool. I, I like yeah. that. You know um, a lot more than me about PS1 for sure. But Saturn was the same time. I didn't have a Saturn and I've That's been true. getting into Saturn recently because Saturn emulation just took like a giant leap forward the last really? year and a half. Yeah. It's become, Interesting. it's become like way better. And I've been uh, playing, I just did a Saturn video like two days ago of a Japanese game called Bulk Slash that uh, another podcaster, Chris from the Retro Hangover podcast sent oh, me. Nice. He's like, Hey, now that, cause he knew I had gotten Saturn emulation sort of dialed in and he, and he said, you need to play this game. And I like it. And the Saturn to me, I remember going to Toys R Us and you actually posted this thing today, but you posted a picture of Ballerina Toshinden. I did on my Instagram. That's correct. And that is the very first PS1 game I ever saw. I saw it. That game is amazing. On a demo. And I thought I have to, I have to have this. And I did end up getting a PS1 not too long after that. But I also remember seeing virtual on, on a Saturn at the same time. I do have virtual on. And I remember being like, do like which one do I want? Because I had a, I was a Genesis kid. I had a Genesis. Sure. I was one. Of, I had a 32X. I didn't have the CD and some of the other shit, but I had the 32X, which was pretty rare. And I liked Sega. Was. I had a 64 as well, but 64 was not coming out anytime soon. I remember watching Virtual on and watching Ballerina Toshinden, and I asked my mom. I think I asked her for both, probably because mm-hmm. I was a spoiled little shit. Give me all of it. Give me all the games. Give me everything, please. Maybe, but she we, we ended up getting a PlayStation probably like a year later or something when they would come down in price. But I always wondered. But then I, as a kid, it was like I remember Virtual on, and I remember Nights Under Dreams. I remember of some course. advertisements and some magazines, and then it was the Saturn. Just from my memory, just kind of disappeared, and I almost forgot it existed until a while ago. It went out quick. Yes. The story of the Saturn is sad because it's one of the best consoles at the time that ported arcade games really well. Like Virtual Fighter. Yes. Virtual Fighter 2 on the Sega Saturn, like playing it is so well done. You ever played Last Bronx? Fun fighting game. Like fighting games on the Saturn, excellent. Like really good. Like well ported too. Just a great system. But what happened was is that Sega got a little bit like upset about the, the sales. That, you know, by the way, Saturn did really well in Japan. That's why there's ton, there, there's only like 248 American run Saturn games ever made. Right? That's not but that in, many. Yeah. It's not money at all. But in, in Japan, there's thousands, there's over a thousand at least. And Japan just had a better go of it. But, you know, this global sales weren't there. And so they immediately went to the Dreamcast. They immediately, and then they fucked up with the Dreamcast because they didn't put a DVD player in the Dreamcast. That's one of the things that would have definitely helped for sure. They're like, no, this is a gaming machine. By the way, I'll send you a link. There's this amazing Dreamcast documentary with like six of the biggest uh, original devs for the Dreamcast. We're talking about like the Seaman guy, the Power Stone person, uh, okay. all yes. the great games. Yes. This documentary is amazing and it's free on YouTube. I'll share it with you. It's called like Dreamcast, but it's a Japanese documentary subtitled. Dude, you're going to love it. I will like it. I can already you tell you love, I'm going to like it. it. Yeah. Um, but they tell the story about that. And it was just like, they gave up really so fast. But then the amazing story of Sega is that even though they went to software and they struggled for a long time in software, 
Look at them today. Sega actually owns a ton of studios. They also are producing movies now because the Sonic the Hedgehog series movie is produced by Sega. But you want to know what really saved Sega? It's one thing. Take a guess. What do you think saved Sega technically from going bankrupt? This is, this is also like more of a, a very opinionated, but I think it's true. Probably putting Sonic on Nintendo consoles. You're, you're, you're on the nose. Basically, just the Sonic IP in its own oh, right yeah. is valuable. We're talking about the third most recognizable, third, maybe in the th- top five most recognizable mascots in the world. Sonic the Hedgehog, Mario, Mickey Mouse. Like whenever you think of the like the that's biggest, it, basically, that's it. yeah, yeah. So they were making money off the IP for a little bit, but then yeah, you're right. When they got involved with Nintendo and like merged Mario and Sonic, it changed the game. And I'm really happy that Sega was able to survive, even though we'll never see a console again. Um, Will we? Will I, we? I, I, you know what? I mean, <laughs> I think what happened though is like when Xbox got involved, they're like, nah, yeah, we're never going to make a yeah. comeback. But Dude, they're doing just fine now. Yeah, it's a really cool story, though. The whole Sega going, the the rise and fall of Sega from the console perspective. Sad story because they really just made a couple of like bad moves. But the Saturn was not a bad move. It just failed in sales. It was such I, a good console. There was a really good, I can't remember if it was Retronauts or Business Wars that I oh, heard. Oh, the Retronauts. I love the Retronauts. I'm, it might have been retro nuts, but I listen, it was either that or Business Wars, which has covered Sega and, and Sony and Nintendo. But either way, the, regardless of the source where I heard this, apparently the Saturn was quite the technical feat. It was like designed and produced the whole process of like basically starting it and then delivering the factory. Like this is what we need to mass produce was like some ungodly short time, like a year and a half. It was like crazy. Mm. And it was to catch up with PlayStation. PlayStation was pretty smart from what they, PlayStation had gotten hold of the Saturn in some ways, because it used like three processors and they were overclocked and they kind of like jumbled a bunch. The gist I got was in order to compete with the PlayStation without having all this R and D, they kind of built like this, uh, the way they explained it was almost like Anakin and his pod racer. Like they threw together some PC parts and they're like, this thing's going to work. And it was apparently really awesome. Huh. But what it meant was, is their cost of manufacturing was way higher. Right. And so Sony did the age old trick of they started taking like a small loss on PlayStation. And they knew that Sega couldn't do that because the cost of each unit to Sega was way higher. And so they just bled them. They bled them out. I mean, yeah. that was part. That was part of what was going on when the Saturn was getting destroyed. Is they just they sense. couldn't compete on price because it they would just cost Sega so much more to produce a Saturn than it cost Sony to produce a PlayStation. In 1995, it was four hundred dollars in America to buy a Saturn on release. That if I don't know what inflation is today, but that's pretty yeah. high. That and PS One was high. For the first like, what was it like? Three. I want to say it was five hundred bucks at launch. Really? But that's why I don't think I got one until like a year later because they dropped. I am totally full of shit. It was two ninety (laughs) nine. It was. You never listen to me. No, it's fine. Oh, you know what I saw? I saw the stat adjusted for inflation is five hundred six. There you go. So it was. I probably got that messed up in my head. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what the. Inflation on four hundred dollars is in in nineteen. It's so much then. Well over seven hundred dollars. Damn, my dad bought me that. All right, dad. So there's this interesting article: thirty six years of console prices adjusted for inflation. 
The Saturn is not the highest. The 3DO is up there, which kind of makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe the 3DO. I mean, the Neo Geo uh, console, probably. And the Neo Geo. Yep, you're right. Good yep. guess. The reason is because I had one, and we bought it used in nineteen, you know, whatever year that came out for like six hundred dollars or something. Damn. I was a kid of divorce, and my dad was a well-off guy, and I think he always felt guilty. So, mm. the funny story about the Saturn. How did I get the Saturn? Well. My dad was dating who become became my stepmother, but I didn't really, we, we fought, we didn't get along, you know, and she moved out and my dad like sat me down. He's like, look, she's moving back in. He's like, so I guilted him into a Sega Saturn. I know uh, it sounds terrible. No, but, hey, but I was a teenager. Do. What do you, what do, what do you, you want from me? You know, yeah. like, I was just like a kid. I don't care. So he bought me the Saturn. I still remember her coming home the first time she like came back to his apartment and she like looked at the Saturn and she's like, hmm. And then she like walked off. I was very lucky. So I always like to make sure to, you know, if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have had exposure to the Saturn. Not everyone did. Like I didn't have any friends that had a Saturn. I didn't have any friends that had a Saturn. Yeah. No, I was very lucky. So yeah, that's why I want yeah. to talk about it because I'm uh, getting into the Saturn. I've been doing a lot of retro 4K content, and this new Saturn version of is called Yava Sanchiro. Um, this emulator is almost as good as some of the best PS1 emulators. They've really mm. caught up, and you can do some cool stuff with it. So I did start Panzer Dragoon Saga. Ooh, yes. And I started Bulk Slash, and I downloaded Virtual On. Of course. And then with this shump game that everyone told me to what's it called radiant silver gun uh, Ra- yes i i did not play that one believe it or not it's one i don't have okay well yeah. anyway so the point is what saturn games since you were like one of the rare kids that had a saturn like what was what was hip and what do you remember being the shit I, for you um definitely uh lots of fighting games so virtual fighter uh last bronx dark stalkers power slave was a game that i played uh definitely knights clockwork or what was it clockwork yeah. oh the orange clockwork, clockwork night clockwork, clockwork night. night guy yeah not clockwork orange it's the that's the movie <laughs> sonic jam guardian heroes but my favorite like i had the light i have the light gun still and virtual cop 2 is amazing on a crt tv on your at your at home console i have a lot of like obscure games too unfortunately i don't have all the panzer dragoons but you know panzer dragoon i would say is like the og amazing game of the console like if any particular game should be given like an oscar it's the panzer dragoon series the second one and then the saga which is worth lots of money and unfortunately i only have the the first one in very good condition you know there's a lot of great games there's actually this game that's really funny called quarterback attack and it's a it's a video it's one of those like night trap type games i forget there's always like what are they vm uh, fmv games i forget what they call them oh i had never heard of this dude, this looks it's got it's, Mike Dicta in it. Yes, Mike Dicta is <laughs> in it. So the whole idea of the game, the premise, is that the you're the backup quarterback and the starting quarterback goes down. So in the beginning of the game, it's like Mike Dicta talking to you. He's like, all right, got to put you in. You know, this is your chance. And like the guy that's like out, the, lead, the head quarterback's there. He's like, yeah, it's up to you now, man. And like they put you in and it's all video. And you're just like trying to hit spots. And it's very hard. But it's such a random game that people don't know about. And this I play- era of FMV games, FMV games, 
So forgotten. This looks awesome. It was so much fun. I have it. I still have it too. I've been playing around with uh, also AI upscalers. Ooh. Like these these algorithms like Earthscan from NVIDIA or Topaz AI, which is like they basically feed these machine learning networks a bunch of different versions of pictures and video of different resolutions. It's the same technology that kind of runs NVIDIA DLSS, which is the AI upscaling, helps you save frames. Anyway, that those type of technologies are making their way to like consumer open source software products. And you can take a video and you can run it through these neural networks and they will upscale it to like four or 5K. That's, and that's cool. Not perfect, but close. Um, a lot of people have been playing around with like video game scenes, but you know what? No one's using that technology for is FMV games. Love FMV games, man. There's some great ones. There's some great ones. Yes, dude. There was also some like old CGI games that used the same thing. They were just like video, but it was CGI. Really bad CGI. This looks awesome. Like the helmet cam. Dude, it's great. It's such, and it's hard to find. Like you won't see that in any store. No, I've never even heard of this. I don't think it's like worth a lot of money or anything, but it's definitely one that no one has heard of. I have a lot of those. It's just like one of those random ones. Um, a really great one, just a good example of a fighter game is X-Men vs. Street Fighter. For yes. The Saturn is amazing. I luckily still have that one. I think it was actually X-Men Children of the Atom was the, yes. first, the first fighting game. And I don't know, and maybe you can help me remember, but there seemed to have been a shift. So I wasn't a huge fighting game fan, but I love pixel art and I love pixel animation. And I would always kind of like, play fighting games casually just because I enjoyed the art and the style and the animations. It was never good. But I remember seeing X-Men Children of the Atom come like at arcades and thinking like sprite animation has just taken a leap forward. And I don't remember in me, like that's that era. I feel like X-Men Children of the Atom was the first game, but then you have X-Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom and the Alphas. I would put like Darkstalkers, all the Street Fighter Alphas. man. There was a great alpha on Saturn too. Yes. Is an alpha one and two both on Saturn? Yes. And they're great. And then, like I mentioned earlier, Last Bronx, which is really fun. If you've ne- it's like I've virtual. Heard that before. I would it recommend it because it's really just a great fighting game and it's just weird and fun and the characters are cool. It's very virtual fighter style. Uh, don't forget Burning Rangers on the Saturn is amazing. I've, been, playing, I've been told Burning Rangers is like the best. 3D graphics on the Saturn. It's beautiful, man. Beautiful. Uh, Sega Rally Championship is a fantastic rally racing game. And we t- I talked about not being into racing games, but on the Saturn, I was. The OG is Daytona USA. The music in that yeah. game still holds up as one of the coolest songs. Uh, Daytona, let's get <laughs> away. Daytona. Like, it's just so great. That guy's awesome, too. He's on YouTube. You could, like, see him sing that song on YouTube and stuff. I don't know. Saturn just had the arcade style at in a console. Like, it felt like an arcade. You were, like, playing arcade games, you know? It definitely had a really cool style to it. Is it still your favorite console, you'd say? Of today? all time. Yep. All time. You are definitely, by far... But we're not even by far the only person who has picked the Saturn as their favorite console. In fact, <laughs> out of like 50 some odd episodes, you're the only one to even bring up a Saturn game, to be honest. Got to give love to these consoles yeah. that get enough of it, you know? I think the Saturn, though, in the last few years has seen some more eyes than it ever did. 
which is really cool. I like I know I am. Like I've been yeah. getting into the Saturn. Yeah. If you had to ask me what's my second favorite console of all time, the Dreamcast, you know, was pretty flawless in a lot of ways and really made me happy. I you know, and if you want to go to retro consoles, the Genesis in my eyes was so freaking good. You know, Super Nintendo was great, but I lived in a a house where my brother was in Nintendo camp after the NES days. He had a Super NES in his room, but I had the Genesis in mine. Best of both worlds, but we still had a little come, you know, a little competitive mm-hmm. edge to each other. Like, all right, I'll come in and play Mario Kart today. I'm a big Sega guy, obviously. I think I just bring awareness to it a little bit more, and I think it deserves it. So there was a game on Sega. I did not have a Super Nintendo. I had a Genesis as well, and had to retroactively play all the classics on Super. Um, but there was a particular game that I've asked most guests about on Sega, and no okay. one has ever heard about it. So I'm going to attempt with you since you're a Sega head. Oh God. Did you ever play a game on Genesis called cyborg justice? I believe I did. Yes. You, that's the closest. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sure. I did that game and another game called dinosaurs for hire. Dinosaurs for hire. Absolutely. No dinosaurs for hire. That cartoon was badass too. Yes. It was a great cartoon. Yeah. Look up cyborg justice. It was a a co-op beat em up like a final fight, but you played robots. I don't think I have it, but I know I've heard of it, and I might have played it. Did you play Toki, the monkey game where you shoot shit out of your mouth? I played that was a Toki. big one for me. Yeah, Cyborg Justice. I swear I saw this in the store. Maybe that's why it's it's bringing it's bringing it back. I might have saw it recently in the um, the retro store. I tried to play it recently to do a video. It plays like dog shit. I mean, it's not a great game in hindsight, but as a kid, it was a big deal to me. I remember this, but I didn't, I definitely didn't own it, but I definitely remember it. But the cover is really cool. Yeah, the cover is badass. Yeah, it's really cool. That's one. I wonder how much that one's going for. That's a cool one, man. Good call out. I mean, I'll, I'll give you credit in that I probably didn't play it, like own it, play it, but I definitely heard of it. That was a big one for me. I, I still get a lot of people who are like Sega anything. I mean, Nintendo generally, I mean, I've only done about like 55 episodes now, but I would say rough figure like eight to nine percent of people talk about sega consoles damn really it's pretty if they're from the uk yes because in the the uk genesis mega drive was like fucking crazy huge it was if they're from north america like america it's usually sega canada i'll get some excuse me usually nintendo i've had some canadians bring up sega stuff and some south americans bring up sega stuff but that's about it I was playing like Joe Montana sports talk football with my friend on Genesis. And, uh, you know, like I have lots of memories on Genesis. Then when Night Trap came out on the Sega CD, me and my brother were playing it. That was a whole experience. Got to experience that. Like when it came out. Yeah. You know, like you got to play it while everyone was freaking out on the news about it. Oh, yeah. But my parents <laughs> were oblivious. They didn't care. They didn't know. <laughs> they went out and bought me, took me to Toys R Us to buy Night Trap. You know, like what did they know? You know, that was during the, t- but that's the game that in Mortal Kombat at the time blew everything out of the water. And then they went to court and that created the MSRB ratings and all that shit, yeah. whatever you call it, the ERB ratings, whatever. The rest was history. I did some videos on that on that whole hearing on TikTok a few times. I've done different parts of it um, where they had like this, the head of Sega at the time and the head of Nintendo America at Congress telling them, you know, it's so crazy that even today, I still think it's ridiculous to put violence towards because, you know, violence towards video games, because it's like how many terrible, violent movies have we seen 
that and no one says oh it must be because we watched terminator 2 no one ever says that they're like oh it must be because they play super mario brothers or grand theft auto like i that whole violence argument really pisses me off still i think if you wanted to be the most charitable you could say video games could be among the various influences that a disturbed child could interpret the wrong way that would lead them to bad behavior Maybe right? because it's never, I, there's no way that it's just video. Like there's no find, way. find me a person who had like a healthy childhood that wasn't abused that played video games. And just because of video games turned into a serial. Like it doesn't fucking happen. No video games are more therapeutic really. Yeah. But I could see like, okay, a Fine. kid who's got like a bad situation, bad parents and bad shit. And he gets a hold of the wrong game. And he like, goes down like he gets obsessed with the wrong like the wrong type of thought yeah. patterns like i just watched a video of a kid speaking of tiktok <laughs> tiktok has some dark shit it's been hitting me with some dark shit and one is like people have been posting videos of like serial killers before they went on their spree great like you know and there's like this kid who i guess went and shot up somewhere in kentucky he's like, and he was in his basement and he's like flipping a coin to decide whether it was the supermarket or his like neighbor or something who was going to kill and he didn't, he didn't mention video games. The reason I bring him up, I'm like, if they found out that that kid had like doom on his computer, they'd be like, ah, it's doom. Must no, the kid's doom. fucking crazy. Kid's it's crazy. not just, he's a, a crazy person. And maybe, maybe doom was part of his crazy world of whatever, but it's not just doom or just no. Grand Theft Auto, whatever. It just, it, that, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. Although I did download a game on Steam called Hatred out of like curiosity where you play a mass, like a guy who goes on a mass killing spree. It's basically like Postal, but Postal's all like cartoony and exaggerated, so it can kind of get away with it. Hatred is like you play this like goth looking dude with long hair, you wake up in bed and he just goes like, today's the day. And you pick up your gun and you start blasting people. Holy crap. And I played it for like 30 minutes and because it had gotten some bad like press, and I'm like, let's just see what this is all about. And I will admit I was a little like I don't want this. Like, I don't want to play it. Like it was, a, it was too much. Sounds dark. Yeah. It was very dark, but still, it's still on steam. You can go and get it right now. I'm yeah. kind of curious about it. <laughs> I was too. I would say like, if you're curious, the game actually has I'm awesome graphics, always has curious. awesome graphics and the gameplay's awesome, but it has this execution mechanic. And like the more civilians you execute, like the more power-ups and shit you get. And I don't know. I just, I got, I was like, I can get why people are getting up in arms about this. It's just like, I don't know. It was too much for me. I, I don't think it should be illegal, but it's too much for me. Look, I don't think it, you could say like they haven't influenced anyone at any time over the course of many years. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's definitely like an argument side that they it does. I think if you're a normal human being and understand that you could, you could, you know, the difference, right? Also, you can make the argument if it really did push people towards mass violence, we do have a problem with mass shootings. But if video yes. games caused them, we would have them every second of every day. Sure. Even if it only caused like 0. 0.00, like every kid's playing video games. Every kid. That's how GTA, a GTA world, like imagine you lived in a GTA world. That's what that movie Free Guy was kind of like, but. Like, imagine you did, then people would be like stealing ambulances and breaking yes. into homes every day. Like, it was like, <laughs> I would hate to live in the GTA world because I, I'm that guy in the GTA world that just bought my new apartment and then someone breaks in and steals all my cars in my garage. And I'm like, oh, yes. why do I live in this game? Yeah. You know, I actually tweeted out 
imagine the last video game you played was the world you lived in. And then oh. uh, comment below the game, what game you last played that you would have to live in. So it's kind of interesting, kind of fun. The last game I played was Dante. Is I'm currently I just beat Dante's Inferno last night. That's a dark place to be, man. Yeah, I'd be in hell. That's where I would be. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like damn, that's rough. Yeah, that game was again back to like Night Trap and stuff. I forgot. Like I remember reading about Dante's Inferno. There was some hype in it. I had a Game Former subscription for, for like the PS2 to like PS end of PS3. I had Game Game Informer subscription the whole time. Yep. Um, and I remember reading about Dante's Inferno and all the hype about how like it's going to be super adult and God of War had showed titties and it was kind of like a God of War clone. And I mean, there's other games, but it was just that were showed boobs and stuff. Like, and I remember hearing Visceral in this interview with whoever the creative director or the director was saying that we're not going to shy away and it's going to be adult. And then I had forgotten about the game. I think it came out, maybe got bad reviews, but for some reason I didn't play it. Yeah, um, but I always thought about it, and then I essentially saw an article that was like RCPS3, which is this PS3 emulator that's kind of good, can now play Dante's Inferno like with no glitches front to back, and I and I was like, oh shit, maybe it's time for me to try Dante's Inferno. I picked it up; it is awesome. Mm. I don't think it gets enough credit. I don't know if it was caught me at the right time, but that game has some of the craziest shit. It's got like aborted, so all the babies you fight, Dolores, they're aborted fetuses. That's why they're there in hell. And like the more aborted fetuses you kill, you get like abortion trophies. Oh my God. And, that's uh, crazy. And then like one boss she has the boss, the lust boss in the circle of hell of lust. She like climbs this tower. She has these big tits that have mouths for nipples and they Ooh. birth the aborted babies out of her nipples. And then you have to fight them. Satan, the end boss is a giant dick that swings around. Like they went hard in the paint. And I remember I was playing it thinking like, I'm surprised this game didn't get more press. I don't remember there being a lot of negative press about this game. I don't know if it was the timing. Was Maybe off. it wasn't overall, like overwhelmingly popular. So it didn't yeah. hit, it didn't hit a mainstream like groove to, to even be talked about. Maybe. I don't know. I'm surprised too. That is just interesting. The game's like, it's pretty heavy as far as like the aesthetics, I guess. I mean, it's an action game. You, you kill shit with like a Scott of war. It's and it's pretty, pretty well done but yeah i was this yeah satan's in that flaming assholes satan's dick that was funny did i see a video of yours talking about a flaming asshole was yeah that video it's, it's doing really well surprisingly that's a good it's video. always weird how like the random videos do really well and the ones you work on so hard, hard on. you shit yeah yeah it's just the way it is sometimes tiktok is always about like the most useless thing becomes the most viral thing you know like yeah um I don't know, but I, I've had videos surprise me like, oh, okay. People cared about this. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like that surprised me. Yeah. This Dante's Inferno one was, it was just like a throwaway. Like, oh, I, I haven't done the video for a few days. I don't feel like doing the work of a proper infotainment video and the research and usually I'll like write the script out. And like, it's like a lot of work. It's like, ah, sure. what do I have? Like I was playing Dante's Inferno last night. It's kind of weird that they have assholes in it. I'll just do like a quick thing about the assholes. And that's then, great. boom, second best video I've ever had. Like, that's out great, of nowhere. Man. Yeah. Well, I did a video where just the video, like, joking about the, the N64 controller, but there you see, like, it says how to hold an N64 controller, and it shows two hands on, like, the, the, the middle oh. right, and then a third hand comes in, and then the video's done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As if we, and then the best comment 
was like something like, oh, Goro must be here or something. Like it was very clever because yes, you know, Goro has like the six arms. Dude, the, I forget. He he delivered it better than I said it, but yeah. The comment section, I I mean, I know TikTok has some cesspools, and I think it's partially because it's it feeds me gaming and like MMA and like shit I'm into. And I think the comment sections in those subjects maybe aren't as toxic as other subjects. Totally. But specifically, even my comment section, I'm always surprised at how funny people are. They're very funny. I think that the gaming kind of retro kind of area, you know, people aren't trolling as much. They actually enjoy the content. You can yeah. tell that by comments, right? Yeah. When, when you're reading like, uh, like one of us, like a gamer, retro gamer that's doing this kind of content, and you look at the comments, there's no like trolls. Everyone's like, being funny or or saying jokes or just saying cool or awesome like I get i get that's a lot one to two troll comments sure if it's a big video like a medium low video that i don't get a ton of views i never get trolled it's like i that's, that's i think um, you're right like for some reason this particular content attracts like a smaller percentage of just shitty angry people though i do get yeah. some really absurd shit occasionally you know what I don't get that much, but every now and then what the kind of troll comment I get is like some like snazzy comment, like, Oh, they should have done that. Like, duh. or someone said to me once, who cares as a comment? I'm like, well, I wrote, I literally just said, I care. And then that was it. Yeah, like, that's a good response. I did that. I, I did just said, a, I care. That's a great <laughs> response. I've done that a few times. I had a similar situation where I did a video of, a. Uh, I was playing a Dark Souls mod where you can like fly, which breaks the game, right? That was, sounds really weird and interesting. Yeah. So I was playing play around Dark with Souls. this mod okay. and I just said in the, the video as a joke, I wasn't even on that video, just the text. It was a really quick, again, another video I did in like five, five seconds. I just like pasted a video of gameplay, did the TikTok caption and said, right. trying to make it to Londo shortcut or whatever. Cause I was trying to fly to the, the top of the map and some guy wrote like, who calls it Londo? Because it's at, it's actually Anor Londo, right? And I just said I do, right? And and that got like a hundred likes or whatever, like sure. a bunch because people. It's like yeah, I do. It's, what are you going to say to that? No, yeah. Usually when I get a troll, it's like comment, like a reply comment like that. But what I try to do my best is never feed the troll. Yes, because that's what they that's want. Hard. As soon as you feed them, like defending yourself. Like in an intense way, like you, they know right? they like, got you. Yeah, they got you, and then they're just going to keep on bothering you. So I'm glad that I don't have to deal with those types of people. Yeah, I get even nervous. Like I posted, speaking of Dante's Inferno, I posted a picture of like a I cropped it. I was like, I wanted to show the babies coming out of the, the nipple mouth. <laughs> okay, and I was like, okay, like TikTok's gonna like like they're gonna know. Like so, as so I tried to crop it and like move it so you couldn't see like the shoulders and the head. So maybe like the whatever AI algorithm scans their content wouldn't pick up that it's a bo- and it's a video game boob it's not like a photorealistic yeah, yeah, boob. Yeah. no i picked it up like that boom as soon as really? i tried to upload it boom sexual content warning i was like "Ooh, i don't want to mess with my account but i re-uploaded it with i put uh since kojima's the sun in the holy trinity i put kojima's head over the nipple and just like good and then it worked Got That's what like, I was gonna say. Yeah. Just blur it next time. Yeah, yeah. But you did, you did that, which was good yeah. too. For a moment, I was like, "Dude, what if I got banned? I would all this work because it's like the way I promote the podcast. It's the best channel. I don't it's get a tough. lot of people coming through to my Instagram, but I do get podcast listeners from TikTok. Nice, because uh, they usually hit me up or they'll say something or they'll comment. 
Um, I'm starting to get people asking me to like, you should get this guest or you should get that guest in the TikTok comments. That's so I was great. really, really worried. And then I realized, wait, there's like a thousand girls who shake their tits and asses on this app every day. Don't get banned. I think I'm going to be okay. You're going to be fine. I'll be okay. But you're doing marketing, social media marketing for work, you said, or consulting? I don't know if I told you, but I'm the gaming community director for Stand Up to Cancer. So I'm actually, I, I lead the digital medium kind of division for Stand Up to Cancer. Um, and I work with streamers, content creators on doing events around charity. Uh, it could be a social awareness campaign uh, with, with streamers or, or content creators, or it's like a charity stream, like on Twitch. Like, mm. oh, I'm doing a 12-hour charity stream for cancer research. And I give them their all the tools, all the social media, like talking points if they need it. And I support them. And yeah, that's what I do. It's, what I would say I do is influencer marketing. But I do it on the nonprofit space and I'm not paying any of these influencers to do charity streams. I'm working to support them if they want to do a charity stream um, out of the kindness of their heart, which most of them do. It's been a really rewarding thing. I've been doing it for about two years and I've learned a lot about Twitch and streaming and TikTok and like it's really been educational. It's helped my own content, just like talking to all these content creators every day. Um, so, yeah, man, that's what I kind of do. We call it social impact work in the digital media world. So influencer marketing, meaning you're marketing to other influencers. We're using influencers to spread the awareness. Spread the, okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. to do, if they so choose to do a ch charity events, which is really easy these days. Like you go to Twitch, you see charity streams all the time. It's pretty much what I'm, I'm supporting. I run our Sam to cancer discord. I work with our social media team to support, like say a streamer goes live. I send that tweet to our social team. They like it. They comment so that they know that Stamp to Cancer cares about them. I make sure that all that community engagement is happening. Um, and I, it's been cool. Yeah. So that doesn't seem like a bad gig at all. It's pretty cool, man. I, I love it. I used to be in reality TV and <laughs> I come from entertainment. I moved to LA for those reasons. I got into entertainment, but it was really I was at the end of my rope and I really wanted to get into the digital space. So what I started doing was like gaming journalism. So I would like get hired to go to E3 and shoot packages on the E3 floor with like, with like a camera guy and, and interview people on the floor. Like, what do you feel about, you know, the public coming to E3? How do you feel about that? And it's going away from being a business event. You know, I did like small stuff and then this job popped up. They were looking for someone that had a good, um, I on the industry understood gaming and I got, I, I took the gig. So I've been doing this. So I was former reality producer turned into influencer marketer, uh, digital community engagement guy. I don't know. You know, I'm just like a community guy. <laughs> now I wanted to ask you. Yes. We're kind of wrapping up. I was usually, yes. I ask which single player story has given you the strongest emotional reaction oh man could be positive or negative emotions well i'll tell you what my favorite game of all time was was and it wasn't single player it was diablo 2 that's a pretty solid single player story that, though right but i remember i played diablo 2 online but you're right that one took me away but only because i'm replaying it right now i would say that one of my favorite story games of all time believe it or not is fallout new vegas mm. I love Fallout New Vegas and I'm able to replay it over and over again. There's so many people that I've never played it, but it's one of these games. I'm like, maybe I need to because the, 
The following for that game is very passionate. People love that game. But I got another one that just popped up. This is perfect. Fable 2. Ooh. I was just talking about Peter Molyneux the other day because his new game is all NFT based. What's his new game? I don't know. It's something to do with the NFTs. He's doing something new. Oh my God. Yeah, he's doing something okay. new, but he was okay. Speaking of a uh, guy in the media back in the day, he was quite the figure. He's one of those OG guys. I yeah. mean, he created Populous. I mean, that's a yes. famous, he was the, he's the God game creator, right? He, yeah. he was the one that like, was like, I want to make a game where you're God. And he, that's what Populous was. And I used to play Populous back on my PC back in like, I don't know, early nineties, whenever that game was out. I don't remember. So yeah, Fable 2, I completely really forgot good. about Fable 2, yes. but Fable 2, man, awesome. And then Fable 3 gets a bad rap for some reason, and that was a good game too. I don't know why people gave it such a bad rap, but Fable, yes, excellent game, excellent. I think I played, I know I played 1 and 2, I'd have to look 3 up. 3 is worth trying because I thought that the mechanics were great. Like everything was well oiled by Fable 3, right? But for some reason... And was that on Xbox as well? 360? Yes. I want to say it was, unless I'm wrong. That's why I didn't play it, because I never got a 360. Actually, yeah, the, I think that people were just, they thought there wasn't a big change, like the game didn't progress enough, but I thought it was just a well-oiled version of Fable 2. I, ge- I guess I understood that, but I still thought it was a good game. I replayed that recently, um, and then I am replaying Fallout New Vegas there's just something about it out of all the fallout games. And it, it was by oblivion. Um, the guys who did um, the new movie, uh, the new game outer worlds. They're the ones oh. that developed fallout new Vegas. Cause they contracted Bethesda contracted them to do. They got, they got the contract to do fallout New Vegas with the engine, the same engine. So technically oblivion did an amazing job. And that's why I liked outer worlds recently. If you wanted me to give you like a good story game that I enjoyed was outer worlds was great. I played probably like it was on games pass for a little bit. I played like 10 hours and they took it off games pass. Oh, you didn't get to beat it then. It's not that long of a game. You know, I liked it. It just got taken off games pass. I was playing it. I enjoyed it. It was good. I think that what's going to be better about outer worlds is the sequel they're going to be able to make it more robust and a bigger game now. And uh, I'm looking, they made the announcement, but who knows when it's coming out. I'm pretty stoked for Starfield. Oh yeah. That's going to be cool. I yeah, think yeah. it's going to be cool. We'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it's not the cyberpunk because my experience with cyberpunk was the worst freaking experience I ever had. It was really, horrible. what did you play it on? I played yeah. it on the, on the PS five. That Okay. Right when it came out. Yeah. And every time I played, it crashed. So I was fighting against save states, like have to save. I beat the mission. I better save before my fucking game crashes. And and dude, there's a video. I have to find it. I'll share it with you. We're literally I'm driving. And you know where you could like pull into like a parking garage under a building? Yeah. Um, I pulled in and then I turned. I fell into an abyss of the game. There was yeah. no floor. And I just started going down, down, down. I'm like, what the hell is this fucking game? How That's could too you bad. do this? I didn't get the experience in like the good patch style of it now. But yes. I don't even know. I was you. I don't know if you've missed much because I got it day one. I was beyond pumped for that game. I mean, me too. Beyond pumped. I was a big Witcher three fan. I Witcher one and two. I tried getting. I didn't like them. Witcher 3, I didn't like in the beginning because Witcher 3, if people don't remember, was a janky bug fest when it launched. 
Yeah. And it was like two years later that it really became the game, then the DLCs. And so I sort of expected some of that to be a cyberpunk because I knew CD Projekt has actually historically done this a lot. I didn't run into it across the I played it on PC, no bugs. I have a top-end, high-end PC. I had no issues. But I still was let down, to be honest with you. Like, there were moments where it was like, this is the greatest game ever. Like, moments where it was like, it's what a good could game. have been? There's good things in the game. There's, There's good, good things good in the game, but it just ended, and I'm like, it just felt like that wasn't... I don't know. I just bought the cyberpunk art book for myself for Christmas because I still love the art style. The and art's great. And and I actually like the story. The story was, the story was neat. good. It was cool. I liked Keanu Reeves popping up every now and then. It was really neat. I just didn't appreciate the bugs I had to deal with. And then losing, like, my game yeah, would crash. Yes. And then I'd lose this mission I just did. But I beat it. I somehow got through all Which that. ending did you choose? What were the endings again? I forget. You could basically choose to kill yourself or oh. join Johnny and go into like cyberspace. I went into cyberspace. You went into cyberspace? Yes. Okay. I, I didn't kill myself. I did a one suicide mission. I did a, the final suicide mission with the, the Pan Am girl, the girl from like Yeah, the, the Pan Am thing. Yeah, I did, a, I did her mission, but I was thinking about joining cyberspace. That was the next choice where I was like, ooh, go live as like an AI in cyberspace. I could do that. It's been so long since I played it. I kind of forgot about it. I didn't want to play it ever, look at it ever again. <laughs> I was so upset about it. I was hoping that they would like do the same thing they did at The Witcher and like really support it, but they haven't. Yeah, I think it's a bummer. It's a bummer. And also just shout out the new Skyrim, however that will be. I hope it's good and I'm excited about that. And Skyrim's another single player game. Oblivion is another single player story game that I just loved and ate it up. So Oblivion, Elder Scroll Oblivion should be on that Fable 2 shelf as well. If I could wave a magic wand and gift you any retro collecting item, anything, here you go. What would you get? What would be like your dream collectible? I'm one of those people that doesn't have best friends. I have friends and I can never pick one, Mm. you know, person to say, (laughs) you are my best friend. You, sir, are my best friend. Like, I can't do that to my friends. So... I would say just for my Saturn collection to get Saga would yep. be a huge win. I would love the original NES complete in box set like we talked about with Rob unopened just Ooh. the box set like from yeah. the shelves in 1985. Do you think one of those even exists still? Yeah, I think those exist. I think there's our unopened NES original lost boxes for sure. And I always wonder back in the day when NES games, they were, they were, they were um, boxes. So you were, you were meant to just rip it open and play the game and hold on to the instruction manual. You know, no one saved boxes. That's why they're so valuable. But I always wondered like, who are these people back in the eighties that like bought these systems and never opened them? Yes. That's why I was thinking like, why it would be really hard to find one. Cause someone would have to have bought it as a collectible but back then, Otherwise, people weren't by, thinking that way, which is exactly too. so. That, that's why I'm like, is it even possible to find one of those? I'll it, have to look it up. I'm sure there's maybe a few out there. There's got to be one thing I'm anti, just so you know, is the whole graded game thing. And I can go down a rabbit hole with that. The, I'm, the what game thing? How people are grading video games. I really have a problem with that. I don't like like that. when you do a revo- review and giving no, 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 grading like a game, like you grade a comic book. You haven't seen that yet? Uh-uh. No, I don't even, I'm not even aware of what that is. Well, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> people are putting uh, games in cases and putting a number on it and saying it's a 9.8. 
uh, on opening. What does that mean? Like, what's it supposed to, what is 9.8 supposed to represent? 9, 9.8 represents like complete inbox, unopened. There's no like rips in the seal of the game. The box okay. is in great shape. When you, when you grade comic books, that's what you're great. You're great. Comic, but if you think of a comic book, it's a you know, magazine. So you're looking for like creases in the indents in the comic or bends, but you can get a 9.8 comic. You, you got a flawless comic, hmm. but now they're doing that with video games. I'm like, why do you want to lock your video game in like a graded box that's sealed? The box is sealed graded. And I just think it's so anti what we believe in as, as retro collectors, like, and who in their right mind can subjectively grade video games, you know, screw you like, and dude, these games are selling for like ridiculous amounts of money in these sealed game boxes. So part of the grade is the game, not just the condition of the game. No, the condi- it's all condition. It's all, it's okay. like, how's this cart look? You know, what's the condition of, of this, you know, super Mario bros. We like, is it, is the manual creased is like, is it perfect? Right. Like, and they put it in like a sealed box and they put a number like here and all you do with it is put it on a shelf, like a trophy. And then say that I got this score. Yeah. 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 And this game. game and they try to sell it for, and you ever see this, you know what this is? Yeah. What this is? That's the fishing rod for Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was going to bring up the Dreamcast because you said that was your second favorite console. I like the Dreamcast, and I've been a, a Dreamcast, like Dreamcast too, man. supporter because I, I didn't get it at launch. But I've told this a few times on the podcast, but for you, sorry if you've already heard this, I only owned a Dreamcast initially because my parents were really religious, and I wasn't allowed to have the internet because the first time my dad got internet when I was a kid, immediately the first thing I tried to do was look at boobs, and I didn't of understand course like internet history. So he knew immediately got rid of the internet and we were, we didn't, wasn't allowed <laughs> he got in our rid house. Of the internet. <laughs> yeah. But uh-huh. dreamcast had a modem. It did. It. Yeah. And it I, did. I, I, it was, had already died and it was like really cheap. And I bought it at a retro store. This was probably PS3 era, the PS2 era. Maybe uh, my memory's not great. I was still living at home. So probably PS2 era. Um, I bought a dreamcast just to like, look at chicks online. That's all. I never That's even had hilarious. a game. But then later I got into the Dreamcast because there's an emulator called Redream, which oh. I want to give a shout out to Redream. It is one of the best emulators I've ever used. Like That's cool. Perfect emulator. And uh, I was talking up the Dreamcast the other day because I was playing the Soul Reaver uh, version of Dreamcast, which is the best version of Soul Reaver. Way better than the PS1 version. Wow. Okay. And, and I was like, the Dreamcast is awesome. It doesn't get enough credit. And this dude that's like, on Retro Hangover, his name's Chris. He knows a shit ton about everything in video games. And he's like, oh, the Dreamcast is fucking bullshit. It's like everyone gives it. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he made a really good point. And he's like, name me one awesome Dreamcast game that's that's original and only on the Dreamcast. And I couldn't think of one. Minus like, he's like, minus Sonic Adventure. Actually, I think that has been ported now, but. By now, but back then it was original back a launch then. release. And I, so yeah. I was like, I want to ask you like what your, cause you might know more than me. I like, I skimmed the internet. I couldn't think of anything off the top of my head, but can you think of something like a killer app, like a halo or something on the dreamcast? And I, the only thing I could think of was power stone, right? The only place you can play power stone, I believe is arcades or dreamcast. Yes. Uh, crazy taxi is in that boat too. There was a crazy taxi arcade game, but you could only play crazy taxi on the dreamcast as a console game, but it came out on GameCube, I think later, right? Later, later, but yeah, but initially, like initially, yeah, yeah, initially, Crazy Taxi was an arcade game, 
anything that was like a Sega arcade game was at the time was basically ported to the Dreamcast, Dreamcast. and that that was like the tie-in to like the original games. But I think Sonic Adventure is a great one that was really just on Dreamcast. I'm trying to think, what else was just on Dreamcast? It was Rock also keep in mind this guy Chris, by the way, because I know he listened to it. Thinks the Wii U's greatest console, so he can suck a dick. I love it. Um, you know, I love you, Chris. But yeah, Chris, I will defend you that the Wii U is the is, in my opinion, the modern Saturn because oh, okay. it was a shit in sales, but it had good games on it, and that's what the Saturn was. I I'm a Wii U or two. Okay, I'm not. I, I, I noticed that when you picked that up, I was like, oh, because I was going to bring up Dreamcast, and I knew I was going to bring up Chris, and then you pulled up that Wii U game, and, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about this, sir? Oh, you got the whole shebang, dude. For those of you listening, he's got like this badass Wii U case. It's a Wii U freaking case, man. I still have the tag on it. Oh, the Wii U brothers unite. But but that's my theory is that I think the Wii U is kind of like going through the same life cycle as the Saturn went, where it was not sold, but people really enjoyed the games. And now people are are looking for those games. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of great games on the Wii U. I'm trying to think. So there was this snowboarding game, which I'm pretty sure was only on Dreamcast called Rippin' Riders. And dude, we would literally play one battle mode level where it's a half pipe. We wouldn't play any other part of the game. We would just try to beat the time on one level, this half pipe, over and over again. I want to say that I don't remember Ripper Riders on anything else at the time, but Dreamcast, I could be wrong. I have an unopened Rip and Riders still. I, I bought one just for like nostalgic reasons. There's like one level that just makes that game amazing. It's Dreamcast only. According All to right, Wikipedia. I got one. There we go. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. So it was made by the same people that made Cool Borders. Oh, really? That but they, they released it under Rip and Riders. This was due. So they wanted to call it Cool Borders Burn, but because there was a separate uh ip in america called cool borders on the playstation one developed by 989 i remember 989 i forgot about 989 studios Um, they had to call it rip and riders because Borders was taken interesting yeah that's that was one of those games i just remember playing it like it would be just us trying to compete and beat each other's half type time we would just play hand the controller over do our run hand it back do our run and just try to beat each other's time every and we played it for hours man i don't know i think i don't think a lot of people experience ripper riders like i did so i've never heard of it yeah yeah it actually i'm watching some footage it looks pretty dope i might have to try this it was good. I don't know how well it holds up. I haven't played it in a while, but definitely loved it. It was. It had that Tony Hawk vibe where you like could score a lot of points, do a lot of tricks, and really get into it and really know what you're doing after a while. And you're like trying to do your. You're just constantly trying to beat your high score. Love those games. You know, simple in nature. Just that's all you want to do in Ripper Riders: beat your high score so you're better than your friends. Maybe I'll do like a video of like best retro snowboarding games. That's, you know, there were so many great ones, you know, 1080 was a good one. 1080 was a big one. Cool Borders was a big one. SSX, I guess, is a little oh, bit Oh, SSX newer. too. Yeah. yeah. I found someone before the pandemic, you know, how like people put garbage out. Someone was throwing out SSX, 
like a full inbox PS2 copy. I think it was PS2, right? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I just took it. Like, <laughs> I was like, why are you even, I feel like you, you don't see games being tossed out anymore. And that's a good example of like, there was a time where you would actually see video games just like being tossed out. There should be like a TV show where we travel back in time and look through people's garbage to find their video games being tossed out. And then, like, turn it into like a hunting reality TV show. I wish, man. I wish I could get my collection back. I sold my PS1 collection at a time when I needed cash. Dude, I, that's okay though, because oof. if if it helped you get through hard times, I had to I had to do that too. I actually started collecting ten years ago, and there was a time I went through a rough spot. And I had to sell like half that recollected collection. I actually regret it, but it helped me. Yeah. If you're selling something that is really sentimental to you but you have to sell it because it's a livelihood thing, then there's like an argument to say, look, if anything, it helped you get through that bad time, but you, you don't have it anymore, but at least it was for True. good. Right. And it got me into emulators. Cause uh, after well, that, cheaper, it was like, right? I, I'm like, <laughs> I can't rebuild my, collect- I can't do that again. So yeah. I just got into emulators. Dude, if I started collecting now, there's just no way I would have been able to buy some of the games I have. Yeah. Especially Saturn games, specifically yes. Saturn mm-hmm. games. I'm very lucky. So I've had a few collectors on. I mean, I, I guess some people have brought it up, not as the games they loved, but I've had a few big collectors on that obviously bring up Saturn. Uh, the Barber Who Games, Bill Barber has an awesome collection, really good Saturn collection. And uh, I think he was going for a complete set up until a few years ago, a complete American set, North American set, which you said is only 200 and some odd games. About like 248, 250 around there. Mm-hmm. But I think he's one that told me like it's just not even possible anymore. The Saturn prices are unreal. It, it's true. And here's something interesting. So I don't know if you can see this. Okay, it's like a list of Saturn games. This has all the Saturn games on it and accessories. So what this is is there's a game retro game store by me called Game Dude. And I don't know if you ever went to Funkoland back in the day. They used to have these sheets. So this oh. store still does it. So when you go in, you pull the sheet. And it will say Saturn, PS4, or Xbox. And the sheet has the how much they'll buy it for number and the how much you'll, they'll sell it to you for. So when you're walking around the store and you're in the section you want, you pull the, the sheet you want and you look at the price so you know how much you, you would buy it for. But what's cool is I took this one because it helps me. I'm going to start marking all the games I have so yeah. I could try. But it's cool. They did all the work for me on this piece of paper. Is That's that pretty cool? badass. Yeah, I think it would be cool if I were to do a collection again, because my collection was mainly the, the heyday for me was JRPGs on PS1. And I might Ooh. try to do like a a lot like, of those go for high prices too, like do, a lot of the good ones. Dude, some of the ones I sold now could have made me triple what I sold the whole sure. collection for. But sure. I thought about like if I was going to redo it, maybe I would do just like PS1 JRPGs, get like a complete collection of like narrow down the niche like what do i want a complete like collection of because ps1 particularly i don't know i think there was like 1600 no games north american oh, release it was a shit ton of games there's no way there's a ton of japanese games too there's I mean, tons of japanese games tons well. of japanese games yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, my favorite game of my favorite jrpg of all time is sui Coden 2 which i think goes for like 300 and some odd bucks Ooh. i had two copies of it i had two Copies of Black Box, Final Fantasy VII. Whoa. Yeah, I had lots. My brother was the PS1 guy. I played the PS1 in his room, but like he was more... I, so I don't have much of a PS1 collection. But, you know, I have fond memories of like Twisted Metal 
That's a great hours of twisted metal Lots with of friends. Twisted metal. So I good. think I saw you post a Jaguar. Do you own a Jaguar or are you post? You still own a Jaguar. I have Jaguar games though. Okay. I think I saw you post a Jaguar game, which is a very obscure console mm-hmm. itself too. So Cybermorph, you probably saw. Yes, uh, Cybermorph. Yeah, Cybermorph was a launch title that came with the American release. Well, uh, yeah, you know, Jaguar was released other places, but yeah, the American launch title was Cybermorph. And uh, it was kind of like this, like, really piss poor Star Fox type game. (laughs) But the cool thing was there was this talking lady that was green head and she would like talk to you and tell you what to do. And that was cool. But the game was not that great. But it brings me a lot of memories. But Alien vs. Predator is a game I've been looking for. That game was the best Jaguar game. The problem with Jaguar games is that all the games you played on the Jaguar were pretty clunky. It's like almost like they did a shitty job. But Alien vs. Predator. Great freaking Jaguar game, but it goes for about one hundred eighty dollars. Oh, so it's first person, first person but shooter. It's different than like the PS One. It's like two D mm-hmm. sprites, kind of like a Doom. Looks like a Doom, very much a Doom esque game. But it was really cool. It was really fun. I played that for a lot. A lot. Any Jaguar person that played Jaguar really could tell you that that's probably one of the better games on I the wonder, system. I've never looked into Jaguar emulation. You should look into that because. Not enough people talk about the Jaguar. And look, I, that's a console I'm looking for to get back in my collection. I got the Turbo Graphic back in my collection this year, which was a big win. Found one for a good price. And Jaguar would be one I would love to have back. And yeah, I had a Jaguar when it came out originally. That's super rare. I don't know about mm-hmm. anyone that actually had a Jaguar. I was just like really... And I was also like the best I could do is like I used to go on like online internet forums. I would know when like games were coming out. Like it's pretty, I was pretty up to date on things for that time, that era, you know, where you you weren't getting like, you didn't have your phone on you to to find things. You'd go on these like shitty internet forums and people would post like whatever news they heard. It was really interesting. Or you waited for the magazine to tell you something new happened. You know, those were the days, man. Those were the days. My last podcast was about how the midnight waiting in line buying a console or a game at midnight is like dead. That whole that whole era of doing that and like being in a line with all these other gamers and they'd set up Super Smash Brothers melee on a little yeah. TV with a generator or something in their car or, or yeah. connected to the car. Those days are over. And now we're in the bot days. Uh, what would you say is your best platform for people to find you? Like out of all of them, what content do you feel like is the best place to check you out? I think Twitter. And the reason I say Twitter is because Twitter has been my OG like platform that I've put the most effort in. But interesting enough, I'm on my second Twitter account because my other Twitter account got permanently banned for what DNC did you do? music strikes. from. Uh... So what happened was, see, Twitter never monetized until recently, about a year ago. So I have a, I had, a, I had an old Twitter account that had some old posts where maybe I shared a trailer with music on it and stuff. And I got like hit with like two years late. Like they hit me on DMCA strikes from two years earlier. So oh. Twitter really screwed me. So then what I did was I just started my Twitter again and I had built up a good community. And dude, what I know now, my new Twitter that I started about a year, this whole ban happened about oh, a little over a year ago. And my whole community came over, man. And like, I have the same engagement I had on my Twitter that had 13K to my Twitter now that has like 2,500. 
and I'm killing it now. And, and what it told me was, it's like, wow, my community came to my side and like supported me and it's come twofold now. Like, I'm glad I started fresh and now, and, and dude, and what's interesting is that on TikTok, people say, oh, I know you from Twitter. And I'm like, really? And that's, I guess that's my answer to the question because I've heard more people say that the ones that know me on TikTok know me because they, they knew me on Twitter and they like wanted more of my content on TikTok. So actually I've gotten the, I saw you on Twitter thing more than I saw you on TikTok. So the answer is Twitter. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, if you like me and you don't have Twitter, what would you say <laughs> is number two? Number two is TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Absolutely. I did I find you. I did. I did end up adding you on Instagram and I, I'll have to look at your Instagram versus your TikTok. Like, Take like a look. To, kind of, to see the differences and kind of get some ideas. I've been thinking like I just bought like a bunch of video game art books. I bought like the whole That's final cool. fantasy art. Com- like there's a three volume art companion book for all of the final fantasy series that I've been wanting to get forever. And they oh, actually cool, had it man. at Barnes and Nobles. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get it. Maybe I'll start posting. Cause I do have video game shit. That's not video related that maybe I can just start posting pictures. And I don't know. Now Twitter is like completely like, I don't really, I just have my link tree. It's not like I post on Twitter. Go to my TikTok. You know, I just post something different. I what I do on Twitter is I'm known for you can only pick one. So if it's uh, an NES day, I put four NES games and I put the photos of those four NES games and I simply say you can only pick one. And then Mm -hmm. people are always like, "Damn it, Andy, why are you doing (laughs) this to me? I can't do it." And I'm like, I always do the the Doctor Evil gif where he turns around in his chair and he's like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, And I have fun with people, and people really take that. They've really been into that because it's fun to like be forced to, just like you forced me to pick some games. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up. So you mentioned a couple different your cafe BTW on TikTok, but your your Twitter's different. Remind us what what is on Twitter. Remind us all the different names. I know people like they're like, why don't you just have one name across the board? I'm like, eh, I don't know. Cause like, it's not so much like, it's almost like you get a different piece of my content on a different platform. So Instagram, it's producer BTW because that used to be my main handle. Cause I used to be a producer, by the way. So mm. producer BTW, but then I kind of kept the BTW thing. So then what does BTW stand for? By the way. By so the way. I was a producer, by the way, or producer. Uh, BTW. I get it. And then my new handle on Twitter and Twitch is love retro BTW. So I love retro BTW. So I love retro, by the way, that's my other one. So there's three, there's producer, by the way, there's love retro, by the way, and then there's cafe BTW. But the reason my t- TikTok is cafe BTW is because that was the name of my podcast. And like you, I joined TikTok to show my highlights from my podcast, mm. but it didn't end up going that way. And then I just <laughs> liked the cafe BTW. Cause I think people like call me, Hey cafe, but most people know me as Andy because on all my socials, you see Andy, AKA this person. So really my main name is Andy, you know, but my handles are a little different. So, but if they know Andy and BTW, they can probably find you. Yeah. Remember that. But, but yeah, I'll, I'll give you my link tree and you could just share it on your, just your, yeah, it'll be there. I'll have whatever all the, it is. The applicable links in the podcast. I'll make it easy for people. Sweet yeah. dude. Well, I appreciate it. Wait, you have a series X and a PS five. No, a Series S and a PS5. Okay. I didn't get the X. I got the S. I budgeted on one of them, you know? Um, And the Series S... But the fact that you could get both of them is actually kind of impressive. 
I, but look, it wasn't like it was easy. I just got lucky on the first like drops back in the first release. I was just like going crazy, doing my best to like find them. And I, I got lucky. Yeah. Nice. Um, lucky yeah. man. Yeah. Do you have a PC as well? We're on it right now. I should that. I almost want to edit that out. That was just such a dumb question. You're talking about <laughs> a PC. Like, fuck. As soon as it, Idiot, what is soon as it came out my, of my mouth, I was like, Is this hooked to my, my mobile phone? This is hooked to my mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> Double monitor. This is where I stream my podcast and stuff. What do you play mostly on then? I'm, um, I'm scattered all over the place. I play on Steam a little bit. I have VR. I actually play Oculus S, uh, Rift, Rift S. I have, I'll probably play on my Xbox more because of Game Pass, though. You know? Yeah. Fucking free games, man. Like it's nice. Can't I had Game Pass on the PC, and I'm so constantly surprised. I don't buy a lot of indie games anymore because I'm like, there's a fifty percent chance this will be on Games Pass. Because I keep buying Pretty these much. indie games, and then I see them pop up on Games Pass. Like, fuck! Why did I buy yeah. that? But Xbox is, you know, competing against Sony hardcore, and the way they're they're winning is with their subscription with yes. Game Pass. It's really amazing what and Sony's been- gonna apparently try to try to compete and come out with something but uh, i mean i Listen, love i'm a sony fanboy i've had every playstation totally. but the game but games pass is the shit i have to admit it it's the shit there's one thing that xbox always does better than sony and that's community that's yes. like like the online service has more of a community feel on xbox than it really ever does on sony you know uh, it's just they've just got that down and they've always had it down since xbox live I think um, that it's because Xbox, I think they have a little bit of that first mover advantage. They were the yeah. first one. And so yeah. that's where the community also goes. It's because that's where it's been. Yep. Um, I've noticed that. I've always been jealous. I did, never had a, I had an Xbox one, the original one, not the one, the new one. OG Xbox I had, and then that was it. I never got yep. anything else. Um, but I, I was always jealous, especially the 360 era, because the PS3 was a little... I loved my PS3, but probably the weakest Sony console to date. Um, and during that time, the 360 homies were having a blast chatting with their buddies on Xbox Live all day. Yeah. And like, I felt fun. like I was, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't just feel like I was missing the party and I knew I was missing the party for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I, I've been a little bit of an Xbox fanboy for many years, um, but I do like, I'm more of like, I like the, certain games on sony playstation that i can't get anywhere else obviously but yes um they're releasing some of them on pc though they're starting to do yeah. that uh but like final fantasy 16 you know i, I i'm gonna play because i love yes i love final fantasy and i want to play the newest iteration every time so i'll be playing that on playstation but i haven't been playing a lot on my playstation it's been mostly xbox game pass and random indie games on steam or something you know tycoon did you games play seven remake i did not i did not play that yet i have it i haven't and not played that can you believe it i know everyone says it's like amazing i have not played it yet <laughs> i don't know I, if it's amazing i bought it for ps people have told me what it, it was um, and once I found out, I started playing it and spoiler alert, it's not a full spoiler. It's not the title remake is like a play on words. It's not a remake of the game. It's the story. It's like a, like a multiverse story where they're trying to remake the events of the original. Right. Once it, once I kind of realized that was going on like two or three hours in, I hopped on the internet and was like, 
I can't, this can't be what it is. And then I spoiled myself with what oh. happens in the game. And I was very upset for like three weeks. Cause oh. I'm, do you like, do you play kingdom hearts? Do you like, I should be careful. I played the new kingdom hearts. Yeah. I, I okay. mean, yeah, I played, I'm not like a fanboy with, you know, okay. I'm not like offended All right. by any, I, of uh, <laughs> kingdom hearts is this just, I played one and two and then it went off like this crazy, incomprehensible plot with 7,000 spinoffs. That's what 7, it's known for. It's like, mind. yes, you don't even know the story. Like the story is exactly. so confusing. So it was like, look, if I wanted kingdom hearts, gobbledygook, I would play fucking kingdom hearts. And you turned final fantasy seven into kingdom hearts because it's like multiple oh, timelines. Right. Dimension. You're remake the timeline and this one and blah, blah, blah. It's a nightmare. Uh, whatever, but it's coming out on PC. I think tomorrow it is. I'm oh, going to get okay. it because look, I'm going to beat it. And plus what's the point of having it's the top of the end graphics card. If you're not going to push it. So I'm going to get it. You got to push it to the footage, bro. whatever. Anyway, now I'm starting the one to blab cafe, BTW producer, yeah. BTW and oh, love retro me. BTW. Love retro BTW. I'm the BTW guy. A- AKA Andy from Andy from toy story. Yes, exactly. And all his toys thrown out in college, just it's like true. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that and is very those, true. And for That's those of accurate. you who aren't watching, the entire time there's been a Deadpool silhouette in the background, and his cock is just perfect. They lined perfect. right with your mouth. It's almost <laughs> like you did that on purpose. I don't know. Do you have a yeah. Ryan? Do you have a crush on Ryan Reynolds wearing spandex? Because uh, I do. Know- there was a viral video on TikTok about how men have a crush on Ryan, like a straight man loves Ryan Reynolds. It For was sure. really funny. Um, I do. I, I, I'm a big Deadpool fanboy. Yeah. And that goes b- even before the movies, like in the com. I have a bunch of Deadpool comics from the 90s. I'm a Deadpool, Deadpool type of guy. Now, the story behind this before we go is this is the Deadpool Slurpee advertisement for Deadpool 2. And I kept seeing it in the 7-Eleven. And finally, when the movie was over and it was like a few a month later, I said, what are you guys doing with that? He's like, he's like, oh, we usually throw it out. I was like, would you give me that? And he's like, yeah. He's like, come back in a couple of weeks when the, adver- the campaign's over and I'll give it to you. And he did. And here he is. There he is in the <laughs> flesh, so to speak. Yes. That's actually um, pretty badass. Yeah, you should get a... Now that you've turned, I can see your closet. Yeah, you got some shit back there. It's a mess. No, no, but right I now. can tell you got a bunch of boxes on the top. Yep. How many games do you think you have total in just mm. consoles and peripherals and all that you stuff? You know, it's funny. I have so many bins and I've never really counted. Um, I got to have a few hundred. It's not like I'm in the thousands. Maybe I'm close to a... I don't know. I think I'm in like the high hundreds, okay. right? I don't That's a lot I'm, of stuff. It's more it's than I lot. thought. Yeah. There's also downstairs in my house. I have my Saturn games in these bins and um, I got a bunch of, I got shit everywhere, man. Also on my floor over here, I was going through like some other stuff. So I got stuff scattered back there is like, kind of like, the only shelf I have that's visible. Everything else is in bins. So there's a bunch of NES games back there. I got, I got my CRT. Um, just got a bunch of shit, man. I got everything back there. And by the way, I started collecting Xbox, original Xbox games. That's been my focus recently because where everyone's looking at like NES games, Super Nintendo, I'm going the other way. I'm going to a game genre a era that hasn't really hit its stride in collecting. Smart. It has it a little bit. It, it will. will. It's getting there. But 
I like collecting Xbox games, original Xbox, not 360. I'm not really into the 360 ones. So, dude, I got a whole bin of really great Xbox games that I started collecting like a year and a half ago. And uh, yeah. I know, so I know we keep me. saying we're going to end, but now I got to ask about do okay. you have Otogi? I do not have a Togi. That's one Xbox game that I've seen footage of, and I'm like, I want to play that. Interestingly enough, you think that Xbox emulation would be pretty good because the Xbox is similar to old school PC architecture. There's good 360 emulation. There is not very good OG Xbox emulation. And the reason that makes me mad is I've been wanting to play this game Otogi for so long. Um, there's also a game on original Xbox called Jade Empire that I was way into. I have it. You yes, definitely yes. have it. That's a heavy hitter. That's, that's like a, heavy a hitter. that's like a Panzer Dragoon for the Saturn. Like you have to have Jade Empire yep. in your collection for Xbox if that's what you're looking at. Um, uh, also, I recently found Conquer Live and Reloaded on the Ooh. original Xbox. Really cool. Um, really good game. I did a video on it too. But I'm finding some, you know, Xbox had some really great games, like very good games that people are not looking at, but they will be looking at it soon. Because right now we're in this GameCube is like exploding, like GameCube games are like 80 to $100 a pop now. Freaking crazy, man. Like GameCubes used to be super cheap. It's and, and like GameCube, it's like the errors are starting, you know, now it's PS3 and Xbox original are what people are starting to put their eyes towards. So I'm trying to get ahead of that a little bit. Smart move. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. That- go buy all the Xbox games because Andy's going to get them first. Yes, I'm getting them all. <laughs> all right, man. I appreciate it. We are yeah, dude. almost three hours. Bye-bye! Bye.